0: A simple example of someone who owns Queensland and New South Wales property, they'll be assessed based on that land holding at midnight on June 30 in Queensland. And they'll be assessed, taking into consideration under the new regime that New South Wales property. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm.
1: Welcome to Update 32 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Now, we face a dilemma with this update because the law has since changed. So in a way, this update is no longer relevant. But in another way, a lot of what is discussed in this update is still very relevant because we discuss land tax in general, land tax in New South Wales and Queensland. And hence, I was going to delete this update, but then decided not to delete it, but instead to alert to you that these changes are not coming through, but still to give you the option of listening to this interview. So here is the update we published in episode 363, part two, when the changes had just come through. Two weeks ago, we spoke with Emily Pritchard of Access about the changes to Queensland land tax in update 32. You might remember that Queensland land tax was going to change from the 1st of July next year. And the whole thing has been scrapped. It's gone. Completely off the table. Finito. Let me just quickly read you the beginning of an article in the Financial Review from the middle of last week. Start of quote. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has stepped in and scrapped the state's new controversial multi-jurisdictional land tax, which was designed to slug investors for owning properties interstate. After weeks of damaging headlines about the change turning investors away from Queensland and other states refusing to hand over the personal data of their citizens, Mrs. Pelletier killed off the proposal ahead of Friday's National Cabinet meeting. End of quote. So that is a bombshell. Good news, great news for our clients with properties in Queensland. So we will depublish Update 32 now since no longer relevant. No, I didn't do that. I didn't depublish update 32 because you're listening to it right now. So the changes we're going to discuss now are off the table, but there's still a lot about land tax in general that gets discussed and that's still very helpful. And also, just because these changes are off the table at the moment, it doesn't mean that Queensland isn't going to pull them out of the drawer again at some stage or try to get a similar approach universal across all of Australia. Who is to say that all states won't get together and decide to do this all together? So it might still be helpful to listen to this update 32 about the uh, anticipated changes to Queensland land tax, which then didn't come through. So we need to talk about Queensland. Queensland has changed its legislation around how Queensland land tax is calculated. So this could affect anybody with a property in Queensland and at least one other property somewhere else in Australia. Here's Emily Pritchett, Legal Services Director of ACES, one of Australia's largest providers of business and investment structures and documentation. date when you measure the land holdings. I think in New South Wales, that's the 31st of December, whereas in Queensland, it seems to be the 30th of June. Correct. Different land taxing dates. Yes. But it actually makes sense to make it
0: the 30th of June.
1: You know, our financial year is 30th of June. So it makes sense to do the land tax on the 30th of June as well, I find.
0: Yeah, well, it does make sense to kind of wrap everything up at the end of financial year. Equally, maybe they're trying to spread the admin and the herd out by having it the 31st of December.
1: So that means the changes that are coming... Affect us for any holdings you have as of thirtieth of June, twenty twenty three. Correct.
0: That's right. Yes.
1: The legislation is coming in as of first of January. Correct.
0: Correct. So the legislate So we first heard about these kind of potential changes in the mid year budget in December last year from the government, the Queensland government. Legislation has since passed in June. So it was passed and received royal assent in June of 2022. The effective date of the provisions in that legislation that impacts the Queensland Land Tax Act is the 1st of January. So practically what that means is the first date that we see it impact land tax assessments will be the 30th of June next year. So the 2023-24 land tax year.
1: If you need to rearrange your land holdings, do it before the 30th of June.
0: Correct. And that's essentially what the Queensland government has said in response to some of the backlash they've received around this. They've said, you know, we we originally mentioned we were going to do this in December 2021. You've got sufficient time for you to rearrange your portfolios, you know, if you're not happy with the arrangements, is essentially the response they've given to backlash.
1: But given that it was for the first time ever mentioned in in the budget 2021, and then the law was passed in on the 24th of June, isn't that incredibly fast? Less than six months for a new law?
0: Yeah, yes. Um, look, I completely agree with you. Like I said, I think it was the Queensland Treasurer who said, because you've got that additional time before it actually impacts your land tax, even though it was the legislation was passed in June 2022, you've got another year essentially before it impacts your land tax. And that his view is that the, the landholders have been given sufficient time.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking of, you know, the Division 7A legislation that has been in the pipeline for six or seven years and here less than 10 months to,
0: yeah, to issue a new law. Very impressive. It's absolutely fair. And I think that's that's definitely kind of top of the list in terms of some people's feedback they've had for the government. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's what we've been left with. Could
1: you just quickly walk through the changes? What is actually changing as of 30th of June, 2023?
0: Yeah, of course. So I I think it's a good time to, I guess, look briefly at what the situation is up until that point. So the current land tax regime in Queensland taxes a person or an entity. Um, You know, people might have um, land in discretionary trusts or companies, but the current regime taxes that entity on the total of the land that they hold in Queensland at midnight on the 30th of June each year. So that's the current situation. What this new legislation has effectively done is said that and any entity that owns property or land in Queensland will be assessed you know, similarly on at midnight on the 30th of June each year. But instead of just looking at the property that they own in Queensland when assessing their land tax liability, we're actually going to look at all of the property they own across the nation. So any Queensland entity, the Queensland Revenue Office is going to start looking at total value of the land they hold in Queensland in addition to the total value of the land that they hold in every other state or jurisdiction in the country.
1: Two very basic questions. First off, can you just give me a rough amount of what the threshold is for land tax?
0: Yes. So in Queensland, currently, an individual enjoys a land tax-free threshold of $600,000. A company, trust or absentee landholder has a threshold of $350,000.
1: And is there tracing? So if I own five properties, but I put them into a different, you know, I put one into an SMSF, one into a company, one to myself, one to my daughter who is under 18, is there tracing of properties like that?
0: There is, but I would say not to the extent that there is maybe in New South Wales and Victoria. And there's other kind of aggregation rules in Queensland. So if you have, say, in, in the example you just gave, maybe you had, a property and discretionary trust number one and a property and discretionary trust number two thinking separate entities so separate land tax. liabilities there are aggregation rules in that sense, so if you've got trusts with the same trustee and the same beneficiaries, then the total value of the the trusts. Um, land holdings will be aggregated for land tax purposes, so there are kind of aggregation rules existing aggregation rules. To an extent, I don't think they're probably as thorough as the New South Wales and Victorian equivalents.
1: And when you say beneficiaries, is it extra beneficiaries who have received a distribution over the last three or six or nine years or is it potential beneficiaries? It's the previous 12 months. So you could influence that just by changing your distribution?
0: Absolutely. My my view is you probably, um, I would always say, just have separate trustees for each trust because then you don't get to the point of having to worry about planning your distributions around Um, potential aggregation issues.
1: Okay. So the aggregation rules don't apply if we have separate trusts, separate trustees, which are corporate trustees. And then the director of these corporate trustees is the same. The aggregation don't trace that far.
0: Yeah, so if it says that if the trusts have the same trustee and same beneficiaries, so my view is have separate trustees and then you don't essentially move down to looking at the beneficiaries because you haven't got separate trustees so you haven't ticked that box for aggregation purposes.
1: Yes, so you have two companies as corporate trustees. It doesn't matter if both companies are owned by the same person and have directors, you know, have the same directors, et cetera. That doesn't matter as long as they are two different companies who are the corporate trustees of these two different trusts, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that makes it very simple. So that means you can basically put a property into an SMSF and then into two or three different discretionary trusts, and you get a six hundred thousand
0: dollars threshold in each. No, the, so a trust will only get three hundred fifty thousand, an individual. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, three hundred fifty. That's right. Arguably, structured correctly, you could access the three hundred fifty thousand dollars land tax free threshold multiple times with correct structuring. Yes
1: miners could also hold land tax and would also receive the $600,000 threshold, correct?
0: Potentially. I'm not sure what other implications there might be by having miners hold the land, if I'm honest, in Queensland. So you'd have to look at that. But that's, So that's potentially the case. Um, and I'm not sure off the top of my head what other implications there might be there.
1: The only disadvantage would be that the miner then would probably pay penalty rates on the income. But if the income is minor and you're basically just looking at a long-term capital gain, which you will realise when the child is... 18 or older, then then it's not necessarily a disadvantage. Okay, good. Perfect. So that's the situation at the moment. You let's assume it's an individual, they have one property in Queensland, which is $500,000 worth. And then let's say they have 10 properties elsewhere in the country, which are 5 million worth. So at the moment they don't pay any land tax because they are under the threshold of 600,000 and then as of um, 30th of June, they will still only pay land tax on that Queensland property because, of course, the Queensland government only has jurisdiction over the Queensland property, but their threshold will be gone and I assume they will also receive higher tax rates,
0: correct? That's exactly right. So, so um, you know, under the current regime, no tax payable because of the value of the Queensland Land is under the land tax-free threshold. Under the new regime, what's going to happen is the Queensland Revenue Office will look at the total taxable land in Queensland and the statutory value of all of those other pieces of land. What did you say? Totaling 5 million? 5.5 in total. And so they're then going to use that total of 5.5 million to determine both access to thresholds, like we just discussed, and the rate of tax that will be payable. So all of a sudden, you know, if we're talking an individual with these land holdings, they're now in the 5 million plus threshold, which is about 62 and a half thousand plus $1.75 for, for every dollar more than 5 million. So you're looking at a substantially larger land tax bill that obviously then is then apportioned back to the Queensland property. So if I can give you maybe, maybe a simpler example, I'm trying to think of one. let let's say an individual's got property of half a million dollars in Queensland and a million dollars in New South Wales. So just the two properties. Current regime, um, as we already said, that that individual would enjoy the land tax free threshold of 600,000. So they'd have a a zero in terms of their land tax liability currently because the the Queensland property of half a million is under that threshold. Under the new regime, which takes into consideration the million dollar property in New South Wales, they've all of a sudden got 1.5 million dollars, worth of property that's being going to be considered by the Queensland Revenue Office and the gross tax on that based on you know land tax free threshold, the amount above that and the tax that they pay given it's $1.5 million is $12,750. What they then do is say, well, the $500,000 Queensland property is essentially a third of the total value being $1.5 million. So a third of that $12,750 is payable in Queensland, which is $4,250 so they do apportion it back but the net result is the the person with no change there's been no acquisitions no disposals in those two scenarios they've got the same land holdings with the same values and they've gone from a zero to a zero dollar land tax liability in queensland to a to an over four thousand dollar land tax liability in queensland because they also own property in new south wales
1: and that that is four thousand dollars they didn't have to pay before you know
0: Exactly. You know, I you you can't help but think. You know, will these additional costs be passed on by landlords? In in, with the the rate of the current markets. You know, whilst you wouldn't want to see renters kind of have to foot for foot the bill for this, I think a lot of landlords are probably stretched themselves and won't have much choice but to pass on the costs of this in an environment where we're already kind of got affordability issues and supply issues. You've got to wonder what the impact of this might be.
1: Question. Main residence. In all of this, main residence is completely out of the picture, correct? Whether the main residence is in Queensland or whether the main residence is in Victoria or or New South Wales
0: doesn't matter at all. It's out of the picture, correct? That's right. The principal place of residence exemption applies. What's interesting, though, now we're talking about exemptions, is the exemptions that might exist, even though we're looking at a combination of Queensland and other jurisdiction property, the exemptions that might exist are essentially, I understand, based on the Queensland exemptions. So um, I think one of um, the examples I came across when I was reading the financial review was that there is a childcare exemption in New South Wales. There isn't an equivalent in Queensland, so potentially if someone who owns you know, childcare land in New South Wales as well as, well as land in Queensland, they could be assessed in Queensland, taking into account that total value without the benefit of the exemption in Queensland, even though an equivalent applies in New South Wales.
1: So if this one million property that in your example, for example, was in New South Wales and was a childcare place, hence they wouldn't pay land tax in New South Wales either, it would mean they would still now start paying land tax in Queensland because the child care exemption doesn't apply to Queensland.
0: Yeah, that's my current understanding. That said, I did have a look um, at some of the commentary um, in preparation for our chat today and I was on the Queensland Revenue Office website and they have indicated that they need to provide further guidance in relation to the exemptions around this unfortunately it said further guidance will be available after one uh, after 1 July 2023 so that doesn't necessarily help us at this point but i think they do appreciate that further guidance might be required in that respect
1: the main thing that surprises me that it is so easy to avoid or that it is so easy to claim land tax several times by just putting it into different structures that's the main thing that surprises me so
0: there's increase, obviously setup costs maintenance costs administrative costs and things i guess that need to be considered but yes i think this is definitely an argument for separate entities for every property purchase going forward
1: but the land tax is per property so you couldn't reduce the land tax even further by having two or three trusts for example owning one property correct
0: um, I have seen structures in Queensland where it might be a partnership of trusts, owner property, with the idea that they would then access multiple land tax-free thresholds.
1: Oh, really? Is that possible? Because I have a feeling that's not possible in New South Wales because in, I think in New South Wales it's per
0: property. Okay, there you go. No, I understand because in Queensland, at least in Queensland, I know we look at, you know, obviously it's the land, the type of land, the type of owner. And all of those things then, you know, in culmination start to look at things like, you know, what thresholds are available, what rates of tax are payable. Um, And I certainly have seen structures where multiple trusts in partnership have purchased property. I haven't personally done it myself, but I I do know it is done.
1: And the main reason for that was to uh, to access the, uh, I mean, not necessarily the main reason, but one of the reasons was to access several land tax thresholds. Yes. Okay. 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 I think the practical implications of this is that you need to tell the Revenue Office of Queensland, I think, reasonably quickly after the 30th of June that you do have multiple properties. And I think it's a self-assessment and I think there are substantial penalties if you don't do it.
0: That's right. Yeah. So and I think that's a really important um, piece of information beyond the technical information here to get out to people more broadly, because I do worry, especially if you have someone who, for example, owns, you know, the majority of their property in Victoria, but has an investment property, maybe on the Sunshine Coast, to make them aware of this obligation, the obligation is on the landholder to report to the Queensland Revenue Office any interstate land holdings they have. Now, there's a few different dates as to when that might be payable, but essentially it's by the 31st of October next year. So if you receive an assessment prior to that, you need to advise Queensland Revenue Office within 30 days of receiving the assessment. If not, then it has to be before the 31st of October. So it's absolutely an obligation on the landholder in Queensland to advise revenue of interstate land holdings and to advise them of the value of those land holdings in addition to any changes in that value. So even if you fulfill the obligation in October next year, if you subsequently become aware that your interstate property has increased in value based on potentially the valuation that comes with your land tax assessment, say in New South Wales, then that obligation is ongoing to then um, log back into the Queensland Revenue Office's website and advise them in that change in in value of your interstate property. So it's quite onerous on the landholder. And I do believe there's sufficient penalties involved, I think around $15,000 dollars. That said, given the nature of the changes and the obligations and some of the feedback that I've seen circulating in commentary, I'd like to see, you know, and I would assume that Queensland Revenue Office would take a fairly educational approach, let's say, in terms of leniency initially, but I think it's really important that landholders appreciate that onus is on them to self-report
1: You made an interesting comment in your article where you said there was something that changed in Queensland and then all the other states picked up on the um, change. And so there is a there is a suspicion that this will trickle through
0: to the other states. Yes, I think so. Um, I think what I was talking about was the foreign person's surcharges for land tax and duty initially came in, I think, and I'm going off the top of my head here, I think it was in Victoria, first of all, in 2016. But what we saw once it was implemented is each state then, you know, in a slow trickle, adopt similar provisions. And what I suspect we might see, certainly if any of the challenges around this new legislation aren't successful, what I think we will see Um, is other states potentially consider this approach themselves. The Queensland government originally referred to this change as closing a loophole, so my my view would be that you can bet your bottom dollar if another state thinks they can close a similar loophole and raise additional revenue, they'll certainly be having a look at it themselves. That then makes those scenarios we talked about potentially even worse. So you know the person who's got the um, Queensland and New South Wales property who's paying four thousand dollars more um, in Queensland, could arguably be paying substantially more in New South Wales as well. So it's a it's a double hit, you know, or, or potentially more than a double hit, depending on how many jurisdictions land is held in. You know, before that, I think I think other jurisdictions will likely wait and see how it plays out in Queensland first. South Australian, uh, I think it was a parliamentarian down there, has indicated they have no intention of following Queensland's lead in this respect. But I haven't seen any other indication from other states whether they would follow or not. The only other thing I have seen is that I believe it was um, in New South Wales. um, The finance minister, I think it was down there, was seeking some advice um, as to the constitutional validity of these changes, especially if there was a request from the Queensland government for other state based bodies to share, start to share some of this information. So maybe we'll see what the outcome of that constitutional validity question is. Maybe we'll see if anyone's prepared off the back of their initial assessments to, to to put in objections, but certainly I think once the dust settles, um, if Queensland continue on with this, I think other states might, might also follow like they did with foreign person surcharges.
1: Coming back to the um, mismatch of dates we discussed before where New South Wales uses the 31st of December as taxing point and Queensland uses the 30th of June as taxing point, I can imagine there can be mismatches between the two. Do you see that as well?
0: Yeah, I absolutely do. That's certainly one of the inequities, I guess, that I've identified um, that will potentially arise here. If we go back to the simple example of someone who holds, owns Queensland, and New South Wales property, they'll be assessed based on that landholding at midnight on June 30 in Queensland. Um, and they'll be assessed, taking into consideration under the new regime, that New South Wales property. If you fast forward to December 31st that year, they could have disposed of that property. So it then becomes this issue that someone's assessed based on a New South Wales landholding, in Queensland that they don't even actually hold when the relevant land taxing date rolls around in New South Wales. So that's definitely something that that kind of comes across as a little bit odd to me. Similarly, I think when we start to talk about land across different jurisdictions, I think it's another potential inequity, I guess, that the thresholds in different states are different. So if you're looking at a discretionary trust that owns property in Queensland, it enjoys the land tax free threshold of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars there's no equivalent in New South Wales. So a discretionary trust that owns property in New South Wales has no land tax-free threshold. So I think all of these things are going to play into looking at some of the scenarios we see play out under the new regime. I've seen a few articles that have you know spoken to landholders and talked about the implications that they're going to see and they're substantial. A
1: Different question. Have you seen any indications that there are efforts to harmonise land tax legislation across Australia so for example that we all have the same taxing point that we all have the same thresholds for example and you know ideally all the same rules my fear is that you will say no but my hope is that you will say
0: yes I'm going to say no I'm not aware of any um, any efforts and I suspect that you know You know, people like the finance minister in New South Wales seeking advice as to the constitutional validity of Queensland-based laws and, and data sharing off the back of them probably indicates there's even less chance of harmony, but you never know.
1: Welcome back. So for your 2023 Queensland land tax, you still just pay land tax on holdings in Queensland you held on 30th of June 2022. But... For your 2024 Queensland land tax, your land tax is now calculated taking all your land holdings anywhere in Australia as of 30th of June 2023 into account. So, in other words, for 2024 Queensland land tax, you take your total property holdings anywhere in Australia as of 30th of June 2023, calculate the nominal Queensland land tax for all those holdings and then you take the portion that applies to your Queensland property and that is your 2024 land tax. So let's assume your Queensland property is worth 10% of your total property value. So let's say your Queensland property is worth 1 million and your total property is 10 million. So 10%. And if your land tax that you would pay if all those properties were in Queensland, if your land tax, for example, is 500,000, then your land tax you actually pay would be 50,000 because the property in Queensland is 10% of your total property. I hope that makes sense. So that is one big difference now between land tax in Queensland and the rest of the country. In episode 370, so still a while away, but in episode 370, we will look at land tax again. We will look at nine differences between land tax in Queensland and New South Wales. So, we will come back to some of the differences we already touched on today and then cover some others as well. So, this was update 32 about the Queensland land tax changes. So, just to remind you, these changes didn't come through. So, from the 1st of July 2023 onwards, your interstate properties outside of Queensland won't be taken into consideration when you calculate your Queensland land tax. Next week we will, I promise, hand on my heart, next week we will finally go back to our mini-series about offshoring and we will start with how to find staff overseas. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.